You are listening to Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Welcome to Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. I'm Steph Waite, part-time sales lead and marketing consultant for Johnny Velo Bikes in Columbus, Ohio. Before we get started, I want to acknowledge that coronavirus has created an unprecedented situation for bike shops and really all of us right now. The MBDA has put together a comprehensive resource page for retailers on this topic, and I highly recommend you check it out if you haven't yet. You can find a link on nbda.com as well as the link to become a member of the NBDA. But we decided to go ahead with our planned topic for this week, even though you may not be able to implement a lot of this right now. If your shop is anything like the one where I work, your customer interactions are pretty limited if you're even open at all. But I'm really excited about our guest today, and I hope you'll stick with me for this episode because she's going to share some important information and tips that you can noodle on and implement when life returns to some semblance of normal. We are going to have a frank discussion about making your shop more welcoming to women. And even if you think you're already doing it right, I promise you, you're going to learn something new from our guest. I'm here with Heather Mason, who leads the Eastern U.S. business development for Bianchi Bicycles. Heather's career has touched on just about every aspect of the cycling industry. She was a pro 24-hour mountain bike racer. She's been a coach. She was a bike mechanic and a shop owner. She's also a writer who regularly contributes her expertise in industry publications. And Heather even has her own product line of bicycle waste packs. Have I missed anything, Heather? You've kind of really done everything, haven't you? Hey, Steph, I'm so happy to be here. First, I just want to tell you how how thrilled I am to have this conversation with you today. Yeah, it's crazy, right? To think I, you know, I went to school for culinary arts and I ended up in the bicycle industry. I'm a person who's totally driven and led by passion and you definitely covered all the major milestones. There's so much little stuff in between there that I think that's where the meat is, but I, I don't know, maybe that's another <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I've been in the industry for quite some time and I love that I get to give back and I get to give to all the dealers and in my writings for Bicycle Retailer, you know, what I'm seeing in the pulse of the industry. This conversation is going to be awesome. So I'm very excited to chat with you about the women's environment and how retailers can make some positive changes. So I just have to say, I have had Heather's cooking, by the way, and it's amazing that culinary arts thing has really paid off. It was, you're very good at it. Uh, (laughs) So can you start by talking a little bit about the program that you run for Bianchi, which is also the reason that you and I know each other? Oh, yeah. So I was super fortunate a couple of years ago when I started working for Bianchi Bicycles to have the opportunity to create a women's ambassador program. So we started the Bianchi Dama program in 2018, and really it's to find those individuals who are just super passionate about cycling and their, their personality is very contagious, and to align them with our retail partners to brainstorm and collaborate on ways to get more riders to the sport, holding group rides, clinics, special events, to build a true rider community within their shop environment. It's been awesome. So you've been part of the program yourself and and we always sat in room with other women brainstorming and here I am now in year three 
And this year, there's over 60 ladies part of our program. But since the beginning, I've had the wonderful opportunity to learn and develop ideas jointly with over 200 women. So the program is a great thing for our retail partners. It's a great thing for the industry. And we're getting more women into the sport. Because of that, I met you. And (laughs) we've rode bikes together. So it's working. (laughs) You know, what I think is really special about that program, actually, is that it's not just, there's not just one type of woman in this program. And it's not just one type of cyclist. You know, you've got women on all kinds of bikes. You have women at all levels, all experience levels which I think is really interesting. What what made you decide to take the program, you know, to take like a recreational cyclist and people who are triathletes just to bring women from all different areas of cycling together? Yeah, so my life has been an evolution and process. So back after I was a pro racer and I started working in a shop locally, I wanted to create a team or a club, let's say, of people to come together and just be more active on bikes. I needed people to ride with. I developed this program here locally and it became my family, my community. And I realized that it wasn't devised of pro riders. It wasn't It wasn't the best of the best in, in my area. It was everyone. And because it was everyone, that's what made it so great. So I used that when I was think, brainstorming how we make this program, how we find these people that are part of this program. Who are they? I really wanted it to be a mix. I wanted it to be everyone. Everyone that all the prereq was is that you had to have a huge smile and a love of cycling and cycling had to have changed your life. Oh my God, we did it. (laughs) We found those people. It's It's true. It's true. I got to be honest. I have mixed feelings right now about two women doing an episode about women and bikes, right? That just, does that feel cliche? It feels cliche, but this is not just a women's issue. And I just, I made air quotes here. It's an industry issue, right? And it's an issue that you and I care a lot about because I've only been doing this for about three years, very seriously, but correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of women feel uncomfortable walking into their local bike shop or they avoid it altogether. What is this? Talk to me about this. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, yeah. Is this just a women's issue or is it an industry issue? And, you know, you and I coming together to chat about this, it's a conversation that we have a lot, right? Like, why do we focus on women's? Why does there have to be women's rides and women's this and women's that? I think it's worth a retailer's time regardless of gender, to sort ways to retain and attract customers. At any time, it's worth stopping to look and say, okay, maybe I should put some extra time into this and it'll help all consumers. When we talk about women, they're a big portion of our industry. They're a big portion of our community. So we're able to have this conversation because you do have to put a little effort in. Most, Let's be honest, most bike shops are run and and managed by men. And so you're relating with another sex and it takes a certain, you have to think about it. You know, you have to think, how do I do this? So why not push yourself in that direction? Because I think it's a win-win regardless, you know? So let's have this conversation, but let's apply this to everyone, right? But if we want to make it about women tonight, let's do that. But it's, there's tools that can be used in every circumstance, I think. So let's say that women are feeling reluctant or uncomfortable 
about walking into a bike shop. Let's say they haven't bought a bike, an adult bike. You know, I feel like that's a lot of the women that I see at my shop. Women who are, are buying a bike for the first time for themselves. Maybe they bought one for their child. You know, maybe they love to ride as a kid, but we get a lot of women getting into it for the first time. How do we even get those women to decide to choose our shops? What can we do to give ourselves an edge over another shop that maybe not putting in that extra effort? I think it starts with just tapping into your creative, organic, unique self. So myself, I'm a woman, right? And so I'm looking for places to shop where I'm considering a new purchase. Let's say it's a lawnmower. It's not something I'm going to buy all the time. I might consider a bunch of different shops, but if I drive by someplace or if I read something about someplace that's pleasing to my eye or pleasing to my unique self as I'm reading it, it makes me want to go there. So I believe it's about creating a draw. So if you want people to come into your shop, so what do you do? You have to set the scene. I always say this, it starts with the outside of your shop. So make sure that it's clean and current and attractive. I mean, Steph, the shop you work at, Johnny Bellows, his storefront, who does his displays? His wife, right? His wife, yep. Oh my God, his window displays are just I mean, they stopped me in my tracks and that's, I'm not even local. I see them online, you know? So I think it's really important that shop owners think about their landscape, their signage, their window decor and outdoor displays, you know, bikes with outside, something to catch the eye. But more than that, you have to give people a reason. People want to spend their money someplace that they feel like it's making a difference, something that they could talk to their friends about and brag about almost. So a lot of shops I'm seeing uh, modern retail these days, they are partnering with other local businesses. So maybe it's a pottery place or an artist and they're bringing that into their shop. And so they're planning classes or clinics or some kind of calendar and and listing it in the local listings to just kind of have a broad appeal and and be more than a bike shop and to make themselves seen and part of the scene. Other shops are working with ambassadors. So sort of like the Bianchi Dama program, or let's say exactly like that, giving this ambassador wings to create programs or host events at their shop. And then this ambassador is on social media, they're posting about it, they're tagging the shop, and then her network sees that. So just getting involved in different aspects, as well as making your shop very clean and proper and eye appealing are all ways that we can attract new customers, women especially, but everyone. So I've done the right things. I've got a a new customer in my shop and she's looking to buy a bike. What are some things that bike shop staff, maybe men and women can be doing may be doing to turn off women customers and what can we do maybe things that we don't even realize we're doing and what could we be doing differently oh my god so i I think steph it's have you ever walked into a bike shop and you look around for maybe like it feels like forever and no one no one has even noticed that you're in the store right you know what heather the reason i work at the shop where i do right now the reason i work at johnny vela bikes is because i was new to cycling and i went around to a lot of different bike shops. And it wasn't that any nobody was bad or anything like that. There, We have a lot of great bike shops in my area. But this was the first shop where I felt like at home, where I came in and, you know, they made me feel at home. So yeah, it does make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. We always say like one of the biggest things, and I, I gave a talk at the CABDA seminar about this, is when people come in, you need to make them feel like they're walking into your house. If you have someone that comes in your shop, you need to engage them and you need to be 
genuine good person and a friendly human. So stop overthinking, stop thinking about the million other things you have to do and relax and focus on this cyclist that's standing in front of you. And remember yourself as you, you were that cyclist standing in front of a shop owner years ago and talk to them like you would talk to a friend or a family member and be genuine. And if we think about a woman, I am like the most non-girly woman you would know, right? <laughs> but when I go to the hair salon, I sit down and my hairstylist is chatting with me. I mean, it's a little uncomfortable for me personally because I'm, I'm not typically really good at that kind of chat. But my stylist engages me and she gets me to open up and and I have this relationship with her that I never thought I would have. And I keep going back to her year after year after year because I'm comfortable, because she talks to me like a human. So I think the biggest mistake we make is that we avoid people that come in the door or we don't actually take a breath and just see them as a, as a cyclist, as a future cyclist or a current cyclist, be a friendly human. And if you don't, if you don't and you're rushed and you're thinking and you're not genuinely looking someone in the eye, you're going to lose them. They're not going to come back. So I think it's just, and that applies again to everyone, men and women, but especially women. You know, it's funny when I first started the, my uh, first few months at the shop, I would see like every woman who walked in the door is like, mm, I wonder if this person would want to be my riding buddy, like more people to ride with. I'm just I'm gathering a girl gang of people to ride with. And I feel like that's a good way to build relationships, too. I totally agree. Talk about the layout inside a shop. How important is that to their experience. Men and women want an, a nicely laid out shop, right? But maybe that's something that women are paying more attention to. I don't know. Tell me what you think about that. <laughs> so the first thing I think about when you ask me that is, oh my God, I, so my father got me into cycling and, and I was in my late teens and early twenties when I was, you know, driving on my own for the first time and taking my bike to the bike shop to be serviced. And my local shop that I would go to, I remember all the guys inside were so cute, right? And I was just nervous just going there on my own, like regardless. But there was stuff, there was this glass door and it was a small door. It was a single door and it was glass. And, and to get in the shop, I mean, you with the bike for service, you had to like open the door with one hand and kind of try to wheel the bike in and not hit the pedal on the door. And I mean, gosh, it was so embarrassing. I always was like, all eyes were going to be on me. It was rough. Like I was afraid to even go in. So I think the, I think the number one thing, it's true. Oh my God. Even if no one was looking, you know how you feel like, oh my God, everyone's going to be staring at me as I navigate this. So I think the first thing is the entry. If you don't have that glass door entry, then, then you might be okay. But if you have some sort of way that makes it tough to get in the shop, Think about that, you know, be, be aware of people that are coming in and, and go out and help or have a staff member do that. So the first thing is ease of entrance. But inside the store, you know, make sure it's clean and organized. Make sure that greeting happens that we talked about. Just make sure that things are laid out so they're easy to find. It doesn't look cluttered. I think the biggest thing, though, is that greeting. I mean, if you have someone that greets someone quickly with eye contact, with that feeling of home, you can get away with a lot because then you have already, you're establishing a relationship and someone feels like they're in good hands. Without that though, 
you know, you're really, you're really lost. I know a lot of shops are setting up women specific sections, making it very easy to shop. I think all that is really good and really positive and all that helps making sure displays aren't too close together. So you don't run into stuff as you're trying to look at other stuff. But again, I feel like if someone can get in your door, they're feeling comfortable, they're greeted, then it's really okay. As long as the shop is clean and organized, you've done a lot already. But I think all the other stuff helps too. But you know, that's extra. That's like icing on the cake, if you would. What are some good questions? So you know, you talk about that greeting and that relationship. But what are some good questions that feel like they build a relationship that you can ask? They don't seem like high pressure sales necessarily, but they just are a good way to kick off a positive relationship with a customer when they come in. So I think the best is after you introduce yourself is how'd you find the store? Have you been here before? And then, and then talking about, did you get out today? Asking simple questions, assuming that the persons are, they're in your bike shop. They obviously already are a cyclist. They're buying something for someone else or they want to become one. So it's like the same thing when someone says, I'm looking for a road bike, instead of taking them to the $500 aluminum road bike or the entry level aluminum road bike, why not take them all the way to the carbon? So when someone comes in, assume they're a cyclist, ask if they got out today. Ask if they're part of a club, engage them in just questions that are not sales questions or tell them about what you did earlier that day. Just talk, you know, start establishing some kind of repertoire and then you can figure out why they're there or remind them for something that they forgot that they needed that they could get why they were there as well, you know? So just have a conversation, a genuine conversation. So you were talking a little bit about some shops have the space to do a women's section. Some don't. We have a, a really small shop, so we have a couple of sections for women's products. But how do you make good choices? Let's say you're a man running a shop and all your, your staff are men. You're making some gut choices about products for your female cyclists. How are you making those good choices? Bikes, sure, but clothing and accessories. You know, I know when we were placing an order last year, we had a couple of options. It was a black bike and a purple bike, and they were both women's bikes. And the owner said, well, I think we should get the purple one. And I said, you should get the black one. He said, women don't buy black bikes. And I said, yes, they do. And he did. He got the black ones. And I mean, and and people bought the black ones, but they probably would have but the purple ones that they were there too. Some people came in and said, oh, I wish this was a girlier color. And some people came in and said, I'm so glad this isn't a girly color. How do you make those decisions? Oh my God, Steph, I wish I knew, right? So (laughs) I mean, this is like the million dollar question, right? So I remember years ago, I was sitting um, in a conference. I rode for Specialized. So I was sitting in a marketing meeting with the Specialized crew and we were picking out colors for bikes for the next year. And you know, there's this wall with mountain bikes and road bikes and like three color choices for each bike. And we're the ones that are gonna decide what bikes are coming out for next year. And it's like, I wanted this, but the 12 ladies in the room, I mean, it was so split. I mean, who knows, right? So this is a great question. And I don't even know if I'm qualified enough to answer it, but here's what I do think. If you have a female on your staff, get her opinion, you know, for sure, 100%, since she's on the floor and she's selling the bikes, see what appeals to her. Don't think that we all dig pink. I guess the best thing would be to pay attention to what trends are in the industry and think about when you're stocking your store, the helmets or the shoes that you bought, so maybe you could create a color story because women do dig cool gear that looks good together and works. So the other thing is think about, 
asking a local ambassador, another female local cyclist for their feedback. Colors are tough, but I, I think the biggest thing is the products and why they work. And so if you're thinking about like a woman-specific hydration pack or a woman-specific saddle, that's definitely stuff that you can get input from women. And you could ask about why they choose this saddle or why they choose this pack. And then you could create like a little blurb on a laminated card and make a display near the saddle and, and have like a silent sales talking thing from a woman cyclist to other women that might be shopping in your store. So that's a hard thing, Steph. And I think there's a lot of different things to consider there. Colors are always going to be men or women, a tough thing because we don't, everything appeals differently to people. Just know that we don't all dig pink. I think <laughs> flowers. flowers aren't always cool either. <laughs> if you take nothing away from this podcast, we do not all love pink. We do not all want flowers. That's <laughs> It's important. I would agree. But some women do and you know what? Also, that's okay. Steph, when I was racing pro, I was known as the pink. My bike was pink, my full kit was pink, and I had a pair of custom Tifosi glasses named after me that were pink. So, I mean like life changes, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you said saddles. We got to talk about saddles for a second. We could do like a whole thing on saddles. You're a man helping a woman choose a saddle. And, you know, there are lots of good ways. I mean, there are lots of like best practices and, and lots of information about it. You know, and I, I'm the kind of person who would totally feel comfortable walking into a bike shop and talking or talking to like a male bike fitter and saying, Dude, this saddle smashes my vulva after about 30 miles and I can't stand it. Help me find the right thing, right? But a lot of women don't, A, don't feel aren't going to do that. B, they maybe don't even have the words to explain yet what's happening because there are so many things that can go right or go wrong with women and saddles. And, you know, I, I talk to men about this and they say, well, we have saddle issues too. And I'm like, fine, I, I don't care. I understand you guys take care of yourselves. I'm worried about women and their comfort. So I bet a bunch of listeners right now are going, did she just say vulva? I did. I did just say vulva. <laughs> We're going to talk about vulva. this for a second. How can men make it easy for women to talk to them about what's going on with their saddles? And how do men talk to women about it and help them find the right ones? Oh my God, the saddle topic. I love that you brought this up because it's a real thing. And oh God, I think the best thing that is to be fact-driven. If you've established yourself like in the beginning with this human relationship, this being very genuine, you're looking out for the rider, then you can just be fact-driven and honest and you already have those boundaries set up. There is the anatomy of a person, your physical anatomy, your body features. So you can say that this saddle is going to work well for you because it has the cutout here and it's going to really release pressure and it's the feature benefit. I think once you establish yourself in that beginning as a genuine person, you can have these conversations and don't be afraid to use the words like, oh my God, I gave a, a, a speech once and it was to women, but there were men in the room and I just opened up with pubic hair and I, I just was like, all right, are we shaving it? Are we not shaving it? What are you ladies doing? And like, you could tell the men were like, they like took a step back and their jaws dropped and the women were just like nuts and bolts about it. They're like, you know, some are like, well, I shave and some don't. And we just talked about it. And, and that is like the great thing about being a woman is we're not afraid to have those conversations. So I think 
if you're a gentleman helping a woman and you've established yourself as a genuine person and your main goal is to help the person become a better cyclist, then feel free to go ahead and give it to us the correct way. You know, say Volvo, say whatever you need to say. Just get us a saddle that works. Right? It's it's well worth it. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> worth it to find the right saddle. I think also you can say something like, women I have talked to have said yeah. this. So you can always, if you're not, if you don't feel like you're a good primary source, you can cite a primary source. So, because odds are, if you're a male cyclist, or if you're a male shop owner, you know women who ride bikes and have talked to you about this before. You can say, well, I know women who've had this problem and you can always cite a primary source. There's lots of stuff on the internet too. You could point them to resources. Yeah, thinking about a man answering the question, right? It's like, if you're going to give the feature and benefit, you also want to give a little bit of what women are saying and how do you do that? You have to find that. You're right, Steph. That's so true. This podcast is brought to you by MBDA membership and industry donors. To continue providing education and content like the podcast you're listening to now, we need your support. Go to mbda.com and join or donate today. The fact is that these conversations are going to be a lot easier to have with women if you have a woman working in your shop. How is it important to have women working in bike shops? How would you even go about if you wanted to hire a woman? I mean, can you say like, I'm just looking for seeking women mechanics? I don't know. How do you how do you make your shop a place that the small, you know, relatively smallish number of women in your community, maybe who are mechanics or bike sales leads want to come work for you. Yeah, I, as you're asking, as you're asking me this question, I'm thinking back to that picture of you with your awesomely manicured fingernails with bike grease <laughs> all over them. That was so cool. I mean, that picture that I think Johnny Merrill put on their Facebook or you sent it out. I don't, I can't remember, but that was such a cool picture. Here you have a woman who's got these beautiful fingernails all manicured up and you're covered in grease and getting it done. And I mean, that's hot. <laughs> sorry, sorry, side note. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like every shop should have a female employee if possible. Let's see, so when I was working and, and I owned a bike shop, we would run group rides or we would have clinics or spin classes inside. If there was a female that showed up, I would chat with her and I'd be like, hey, if you ever wanted to work a few nights, let me know. Or if you want to lead a spin class, let me know. Because a lot a lot of people have full-time jobs, but how cool is it to work at a bike shop? And and maybe they're they wouldn't even ask because they wouldn't even think like a part-time thing would be a thing. But you're not really the opportunity for a person looking for full-time work in a bike shop that's a female, that's not going to happen every day. Let's be honest. I wish it would, you know, but it doesn't happen every day. So cultivate the community. I actually got some teenage girls, some daughters of the male riders to work at the shops. And they became, I had this one girl who stayed with me for years into college and she was excellent. So just be on the lookout and and you never know where it could lead. I mean, no one knows where their life is. You know, if a, if a teenage girl comes in to start working for you at 17, she might not know that eventually she's going to be one of the few female bike shop owners in the U.S. I mean, who knows? So I think it's really important to find a female for your staff, even if it's only a couple nights a week or or what have you. But 
sometimes you're just going to have to cultivate it yourself. And I think having the conversations, you're just throwing it out there. You never know what you're going to get back. You know, so this feels, I don't think you know, I don't know if you even know how I ended up working at Johnny Vela Bikes. This, you kind of led into this just now. This feels like super relevant. I got serious about cycling like three years ago. And when I did a fir- my first like big charity ride for my work and, you know, I was going around looking for, you know, checking out bike shops and this one in particular had just opened. They had only been open for about six months and they offered to do a private workshop, like a maintenance workshop to teach us how to like assess our bikes and how to change a tire. And so for our team, my team at work. And so we went cool. and it was all women in the workshop. It wasn't on purpose. We didn't plan it that way. That's just kind of how it shook out. Those were just the people who signed up to do it. And it was such a good workshop. And, you know, and I felt really comfortable learning how to change a tire with these mechanics who worked at the shop. Then I thought, well, this shop's 20 minutes from my house, but I'm going to keep going because they went the extra mile to make me feel comfortable here. And that's worth it to me. So I kept going. And then in the fall, this was, you know, maybe a few months after the big charity ride. And I was like really getting excited about cycling. In the fall, I went in, you know, I had been going there a lot. And they were like, hey, we got a new fit machine. We'll give you a free bike fitting to, if you'll be our guinea pig for this fit machine. So I was like, yes, I will do that. Absolutely fit me on this bike. So, and they figured out that I needed new handlebars, that I needed like narrower handlebars, right? Because my bike had wide handlebars, too wide for me. And their mechanic said, hey, if you want to learn how to swap out your handlebars, I'll show you how to do it because, you know, we're not really busy right now. You can come in and do it with me and you can learn how to do it. And so I learned how to change my handlebars. And that was like the first thing I ever did on my bike was change my own handlebars and rewrap the bar tape. And I took off the cheater brakes that were on my bars and I did a whole bunch of stuff and I I swapped out the housing and I was like, and I did it all myself under the supervision of this mechanic. And then I just kept coming back because I wanted to learn more. They said, you know, I think we have to pay you because you keep coming back a lot. Um, and every time I would come in, I would sell somebody, a customer or something. I would, you know, they'd come in and I'd talk to the customers and, and they eventually just hired me. I didn't ask for a job. They just eventually just hired me because I hung around so much. So that woman who's like hanging around your shop, I have a full-time job too. I, I do this because I really love to do it and I like to learn and I like to be part of the cycling industry. I have a full-time job that has nothing to do with bikes. That woman who's hanging around your shop, she might be interested. Yeah, I love that you, I love, I didn't know all that. Oh my gosh, that's awesome stuff. I just, I knew nothing until like a few years ago. That's so awesome. I love that story. I'm so happy you just said that. I don't know if that undercuts, if that, I hope that doesn't undercut my expertise as a podcast interviewer that I, I knew nothing I think it years ago. More relevant. <laughs> it makes you super cool <laughs> i worked really really hard to get up to speed though <laughs> oh my gosh i love that no it's so true though yeah so i think the shop owners just have to throw it out there i agree you, you never know you need to look because it's not like you're going to put it on facebook and say now hiring women only you know you just look among the people who are coming into your shop i think it's a great idea so one of the things i do for my shop is i lead a monthly women's ride. We call it the no boys only or no boys allowed ride. I started that. It's really, it could be called a beginner's ride because it's not, we ride on the 
on the bike path. We're like a block away from a bike path and we do eight miles up on a flat bike path. We stop at a, a little park, have a snack and then ride back. It's a very easy, low key ride, conversational pace. But I, I get women who've been cycling for decades come to it and I get women who just bought their bikes. It's really a good entry point, especially for women who have just purchased their bikes. But people ask me, well, why can't men come on the ride? There are lots of men who are just getting started. I think a lot of women feel more comfortable when they're just getting started, when they're just among women. I think there's something about learning and feeling your way through something new and doing it kind of feeling safe just among women. But this is just kind of one program that we do. Do you have other ideas for programming and, and things that shops can do? And how, if they don't have any female employees to run them, you know, how do you find people to do it? Let's talk about women's programming at shops and if that matters and, and what they can do about it. Oh, okay. So if I'm going to be completely honest, which I always am, that's something that people know about me. I just say it. When I started with Bianchi and we had this conversation about creating a woman's program, I was really excited for it initially. Like the idea to create something really gets me. I love to do that. I started with Bianchi and I started visiting the current dealers and future dealers. And sometimes when I travel, I bring my dad along. And I remember this one trip so specifically and so vividly. I was sitting outside of a bike shop a big bike shop with big windows and I just finished a visit and I was sitting in the car and my dad's like, how to go? And I look up and I see this big sign that says, join our women's only rides. And it was this huge sign glaring at me from the window. And this is before I started the Dama program. And I looked at the sign and I kind of heard my dad in the background talking to me and he's like, what's going on with you? I was like, oh my God, dad, I don't know if I can do it. He's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, see that sign? Join our own, our women's own. I said, why do we need women's rides? Like, why do shops need women's rides? And if I don't believe in a women's ride, how am I going to make a women's program? Like, I'm like, dad, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, Steph, you have to remember, like, I'm coming from being a pro, you know, mountain bike rider and, and mountain bike scene at the time that I was doing it, which is years and years ago, forever ago. I was hanging out with guys all the time. And I don't have a lot of women's friends. So... This idea that we need to have women's only rides or women's only clinics is so something that I can't relate to, right? And my dad's like, just relax, you're going to be fine. And so I'm like, okay. But I'm super stressed out because I'd already agreed to create a women's program that I couldn't actually get my brain to embrace that this is something. So I, I just had to just relax and just go with this concept that there's a friendship and connection and unity that I don't know that exists, but I've heard about it and it must be there. So I mean, we're three years into this program, right? And I can tell you that my life has been forever changed by this experience. And I've gone from this non-believer of women's only things or this or kind of like, maybe, to saying like, oh my God, it's so important. So just your question, like, is it important and do we have to do it? Yes, yes. Even if you can't personally relate to it, Yes, because a support network, a connection and a bond is formed with the women that attend that's indescribable. And and I can tell you from firsthand knowledge that women change each other's lives. Like when women come together, especially when you're bonding over something like cycling or, or something that's you're evolving your personal self, 
it is, it's a huge task. It's an aspiration and it has to be women's led. So if you're a guy who owns a shop and you're, you're running a woman's ride or a women's program, I'm sorry, you can set it up, but you can't lead it. It has to get the most benefit. It has to be woman led and it has to be woman fed, meaning like find a woman to lead it. Ask a woman in your community, even if she's not an employee, to volunteer. Nine times out of 10, someone's going to say yes, because women are looking for this. I think men are too, but <laughs> hey, we get yeah. at least to be, you know, I mean, I think we all are. I mean, we're all. It's true. For- I think there are a lot. I get from a lot of men who don't want to do like the super competitive a group shop ride type, you know, men are like, man, I just want a casual ride. That sounds really good. I want to, I want to ride with you guys or, I you know, I but like, no, you can't. <laughs> I, had like, I had eight, eight men apply for the Bianchi Dama program this year. I mean, they just didn't know it was a women's program. You know, I mean, the, the thing is, is we're all looking for a connection. It is really important. It's really important. So definitely get some women specific program, get some non-women specific programming going, but for women, it does need to be women led. It'll you'll be more beneficial. You'll get more out of it and let it evolve. I mean, so much in our life, we try to put perimeters around and we try to say like, okay, we're going to do this this week and this the next week. And we, we try to like, I don't know, monitor it and put it in these little boxes, right? These like four walled boxes. I think with women specific program, you have to kind of be able to just let it evolve naturally. Have an outline, but put it in pencil, not pen, because you might need to alter it a little bit. Well, you know, it's funny that on the, I had this route, I need that reminder sometimes, you know, I had this route all planned out. I'm like, this is, this is the route for the women's ride. And this is what we will do. And we will stop here. And then, we will. and then one day some women showed up, it was on pride weekends. And then Columbus pride weekend is huge, right? Columbus is big on pride weekends. And they said, Hey, it's pride weekend. Let's ride the other direction on the path. And let's like go down to pride. We were going to head down there anyway. And I was like, Oh, but that's not the route I have planned. Cause I'm like a big route planner, even if it's just on the, on the bike path, but I was like, sure. Why? And I don't even go that direction. I never ride the bike path other than like that one way. And, you know, I'm mostly on roads on the other side of town and I'm like, let's roll with it. Literally let's roll with it. Um, so we went the other direction and we rode down to pride instead. And it was super fun. We had a really good time. So I, I think kind of rolling with what your audience is telling you they want and what they need is a really good idea. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm a big planner myself and sometimes I have to just roll with it. <laughs> and it's usually better. <laughs> when I came to the Finger Lakes with you, Heather, I get there and I like unload my bike and then we're like, you're like, get your bike ready. We're going for a ride. And I'm like, oh man, I am not in charge anymore. This is hard for me. And it was hard for me. And I think you made me work for that 10 mile casual warm-up ride harder than I have ever worked for a 10 mile warm-up in my life, by the way. It, by was, the way. So, it was so much fun. That was such a great weekend. It, we, it was. It was we, you know, that's another, another thing, you know, women together doing something. I mean, the bonds that we created that weekend, you know, sitting, I remember that living room, sitting around that living room and just talking openly and honestly with each other. And I'll never forget that night. You know, that's something that definitely has changed my life. So I think about that often, Steph, that was a great, that was a great time. I'm so happy that I've gotten to meet you. And, and look at this, if you didn't go into that bike shop and and take the classes, and if I didn't start this program, I mean, here we are. It's just, this is life. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Meaningful connections are, and this is why women feel more comfortable 
most, and I'm just, you know, we're making a lot of like blanket statements about women, what women want or what women do. Or what, this is just a general, I mean, this obviously not all women feel the same way about, you know, we're not a monolith, but in general, I think most women feel more comfortable opening up about certain things when they are in a single sex environment. I think it's just people open up in ways they wouldn't, and they bond in ways they wouldn't necessarily on a mixed gender ride or in a, you know, an event or something like that, or a workshop. So you have been doing, I mean, you have had years now of identifying women, like picking out from hundreds of applicants, women who will be good at this, who will be good at leading rides in their communities, who will be good ambassadors. What would you say to men who are going to choose a woman, ask a woman in their community to do a women's-led program for their shop? What would you uh, suggest they look for in that woman? As I choose who would be good for our program, I start with a phone call, you know, and I just have a real conversation and I'm looking for things that jump out at me. Like they want to share their story with me. They want to talk to me about how they found cycling and how cycling has changed their life. Like you can tell right away that when you're talking with someone, they want to share a story. They want to, they can't stop talking about how in love they are with the sport. So I'm looking for that contagious, like love of, of the sport. I'm also looking for someone that talks to me about their shop before I even ask them. They'll start bragging about the mechanic that they love or the shop owner that made them feel so comfortable. I mean, those are awesome qualities because you want someone who's going to direct people to your shop, right? So you're looking for someone who's just absolutely in love with their bike and, and, and can't stop talking about it. And you're looking for someone who is very passionate about your shop and really feels connected and, and knows your staff by their first name. And then you're also looking for someone who's, you know, talking about the club she's part of or the ride she did last week or the ride she's going to do just really, or the ride she wants to do. Maybe she's already inviting you. Maybe, maybe she's in your shop asking you if you want to go ride with her. I mean, those are the people, you know, those people that are just so contagious that you're just like, it causes you to look twice. And I ask shop owners, I say, listen, if there's someone who comes in that you think would be good, give her my number, give her my email, have her call me. Or if there's a customer comes in that you just can't figure out how to help her, or you're not feeling like you have all the answers she needs, give the customer my name. Let me, let me help her, you know? So people stand out. The people that are going to be good ambassadors for you, you're going to know. And if you, if they come in your shop, oh my God, do not let them walk out before you talk to them. Communicate, you know, like, hey, would, would you ever be interested in doing this? Would you ever... Because the people that have that personality, they're just looking for an outlet. They just want, you know, they would love to reach more people. That's what they want to do. So if you're going to help provide them that outlet, we don't give bikes away at Bianchi to the ambassadors. We're not, you know, stuff. It's not no. about the hookup. It's, we're just giving you a voice, putting, putting them some spotlight on how cool you are, you know, and I'm not saying let's do this, let's do this. I'm saying let's get together and chat about what we should do. Everyone's feedback is valuable. I think it's about just looking for those people that come in, those people that, that have that smile that radiates and then not letting them leave. What are some topics that you have found that you've given some of these, you go to visit shops and you give some of these clinics. What are some topics you have covered? 
Oh gosh, so with the situation that the industry is in right now, right, and where a lot of us are self-isolating or, or working out from home, one of the Dama, we have these weekly Zoom calls with the Damas, and so one of the things was like, should we have this Ask a Dama evening where we invite people to Zoom in and, and chat with us about topics? So we've, ju- we've just been brainstorming the same thing that you're asking. It's like, what topics, right, are good to cover? And, and similar to some of the topics I've given in clinics, you know, there's fix a flat, there's questions about cycling that, you know, you've been always afraid to ask anyone, but you want to know. Some of the best conversations and clinics that I've led, though, are just where we sit around. I've even done like silly things like having fire pit in the middle of a, a shop parking lot and sitting around a fire with marshmallows and chatting. But that sounds amazing. It, it was awesome. It was so I'm cool. stealing that idea. <laughs> it was awesome. And we just, you know, we sat around this fire and we just chatted about it was like kind of an open conversation where people could ask questions, but it was mostly like, here are the things from cycling all these years that I want to tell you, like just like really good stuff. Spend the $200 on a good helmet. Go ahead and splurge on expensive cycling bibs because you're going to love them and they're going to be the bibs you use for a long, long, long time. You talked about a narrower handlebar. Oh my God, on a road bike, what a big difference when you get a handlebar that actually fits you right. Oh my Seriously, God. it was the difference between feeling like I controlled my bike and my bike controlled me. Yeah. yeah. Between feeling like it was my bike and like somebody else's bike. Yeah, totally. So like all those little things, you know, are just really important. It's the sum of many little things that are actually super important, right? So it's that. It's just a real conversation about all those little tips and things that are really good. You know, how often to eat on the bike, you know, everything stuff. How it, and how important it is to find a group, a network. You know, that's important too. And we're coming to the end of our time. So I want to ask you, what haven't I asked you that you wish I had? You know, what what didn't we hit on that you've been thinking about? What's on your mind right now with women in cycling as we're rolling into spring besides coronavirus? You know, one of the major things that's on my mind right now is, and it is related to the coronavirus, like I hate to go back there. We all have these like events that we've been training for or goals, you know, goal setting. And I know a lot of the the women in the Dhamma program have a lot of goals that we had and a lot of plans to get together and everything's kind of like unknown at this point. So I think that's in life in general, right? But gosh, I feel like we just need to keep supporting each other. And I think that's all the time, you know, but I think going into it as, as women cyclists, as retailers looking to connect to women and get more people in the shop and, and having a female on staff, it's the, it's the support network. And going into spring and going into any time of year, being there for each other and creating groups, creating activities and keeping things moving forward. So if we can't do it together right now, if we have to social distance, create virtual groups, create ways to connect outside the shop, keep making programs, keeping women in the shop, keeping women talking to other women about your shop is being relevant and staying relevant. So you have to stay active and have your own independent voice. I know it's a bunch of things together, but my brain's a little scattered because of everything going on. But, you know, I think that's true, though. We have to just keep moving forward. And I think that applies to now or whenever, you know, being a retailer who's staying relevant and staying open in this modern age of internet sales and whatnot is you're a retailer who's creating programs and looking at women as a group that you should create specific programs for is very important. 
I couldn't have said it better. I appreciate you being here today, Heather. Oh my God, Steph, this was so much fun. We need to ride together soon. I know, right? It's probably not going to happen until after all of this passes, huh? But thank you so much. I appreciate you. This has been Bicycle Retail Radio by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. For more information on membership and member benefits, join us at nbda.com. Thank you.